0: So, welcome to Bishop and Lady Watts, to Deacon, the Deaconesses, to the elders, to the ministers, and to Shiloh, to my Shiloh family, friends and visitors, to my family, and there's too many of them to name, y'all know who you are, to my daughters, Tanisha, Shaniqua, who is a captain in the army, love her dearly, thank you for serving, Alyssa and Zena, and to my grandsons. Amil, Easton, DJ, and JC. Good evening. It is a privilege always to be able to stand before God's people to deliver his word. Let us pray. Oh, Holy Father, I thank you for this time, Lord God. Father, right now, I ask that you hide me behind the cross. Father, let your word be a word that cuts like a two-edged sword, Lord God. Let your word be able to heal. Let your word be able to restore and set people free. So now, Lord, I ask, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, my rock and my redeemer, amen, amen. So I'd like to turn your attention to scripture The scripture we're gonna have this evening is Daniel chapter three, 25 through 30. Daniel chapter three, 25 through 30. And it reads, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went to to, to the mouth of the burning furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the Satraps, and ministers, governors, and the kings and counselors gathered all around. And they saw those men on whose bodies the fire had no power, the hair of the head not with singed, nor Their garments affected and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke again, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered the servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, national language, which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and the houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So the title of this sermon is called our god is able our god is able so life demands that we make numerous choices every day each morning i make a choice i choose to get out of bed or i choose to stay in bed then i choose the clothes that i want to wear for the day then i choose breakfast or i choose not to have breakfast or i can Simply skip it. I can, when we drive, we can choose whether to go the speed limit or you can choose like me and take your chance and have the need for speed. We choose to listen to God given advice or we could choose not to listen to God's advice. We can choose to good advice given to us from our friends or we can choose to listen to our own advice. We can choose to be in a relationship, or we can choose not to be in a relationship. I can choose to cave into things people say about me, or not. We all can even choose to serve God. You know the God of the heavens, the supreme God, or we can choose to serve the God of this land. As you can see, every single day we make choices, whether the choice Whatever the choice, the choice is yours. So as we learn about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego this evening, we will explore how courageous they were. These three had to make choices, whether to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's idol or worship their God, you know, the the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Even in the face of danger, even in the face of death, what do you think they chose? Every day we are subject to being tempted to deny the Lord, whom we love and serve. We can find help and encouragement as we focus our attention upon these brave men who honor the Lord in their time of fierce testing. As we get into this famous account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace, we need to back up a little to consider the larger context of Daniel. The book was written to encourage God's people when it seemed that things were spinning out of control and that even God had lost control. Judah had been taken into captivity to Babylon, effectively ending its identity as a nation, at least for a time. The God who had delivered Israel so powerfully from Egypt through the Red Sea and into the promised land now seemed to exist no more. He had let the sacred items of his own temple be taken into captivity to Babylon, where even at this moment they were in a place of subservience to Babylon's God. In light of such circumstances, it's not hard to imagine a crisis of faith on the part of the Jews. The message of Daniel is that God has most certainly not lost control. In spite of all these insignificant setback, significant setbacks, the previous chapter shows how God has wisdom available to anyone else. That point is made by contrasting God's knowledge with humans known to have the most wisdom and knowledge, which in Daniel's day, would have been the wise men of Babylon. In today's chapter, the theme is the power of God contrasted against the with human who would be seen as having the greatest power on earth. King Nebuchadnezzar, we need to know that when things are spinning out of control in our lives and nothing seems to make sense, we need to know that God is wise and powerful. We will see a husband or wife lose their job just when the first child is entering college and the need for money has reached a high point. God provides a miracle child to a fertile couple, to an infertile couple, bringing great joy to the couple, only to have a child get cancer as a kindergartner and die. Or perhaps the issues are more global and less personal. God doesn't expect us to know why he allows such things to happen, but he does expect us to trust him as the God of all wisdom and power. Let's look at, this, at his power as revealed in this account. As we look at the main characters of this story. So Daniel 3, one reads, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width six cubits. He set up in the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. This statue, which the king arrogantly made, represented himself as an image as an expression of his greatness and glory and reflected the dream where he was the head of the gold. This established the worship of Nebuchadnezzar in the nation under the power, in addition to other gods. This image of gold is 90 feet high, nine feet wide, which is about the same measurements as the Washington Monument. Dura means circle or dwelling, This means that it was within the boundary of Babylon. This image could be seen from far distance. The statue was quite impressive. Made out of gold, it was likely gold-plated rather than solid gold, but it was still dazzling. What was Nebuchadnezzar thinking? I don't think it is without significance that he builds a statue after dreaming about a statue. In chapter two, he had dreamed about this image of a man with a gold head, silver arms and chest, bronze midsection, and lower legs and feet of iron and clay. But Nebuchadnezzar's statue differs from the one he saw in his dream. As he thought about Daniel's interpretation of the dream, he became more and more troubled. He liked the fact that Daniel had identified him and his kingdom as a head of gold. But not the part about the kingdom, about the other kingdoms coming after him he especially disliked the part about the stone striking and obliterating his image so he makes his statue in a way that matched his ambitions he wanted to be the creator of a kingdom that will last forever in short he wanted to be as god so we see that king nebuchadnezzar sent a decree throughout the land, that mandated all of the people of the land to bow. To bow down and worship this golden image, which when the music played, he commanded all of his subjects to bow down to his God, because he desired that his God would be the God of the land. For those that did not obey this decree, they will be punished, and that punishment was death. This death was a horrible death because they would die being thrown into the fiery furnace. Everyone must conform. The three young men had a choice to make. To bow down to this God or not. The choice wasn't going away. The decision to stand against it or go along. To stand up for God or bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's God. That would be a God with a little g. They refused to follow the crowd. They chose to be faithful to the Lord at any cost. When was the last time you stood up for God? Or did you just go along to get along? In times of trouble, we need to choose God. No matter what the cost or strength will waver, fear will try to take over, But we need to know that our God is able. So it's not by our might, but it's by the might of the Holy Spirit. This is where we receive that unbelievable strength. This brings us to our first point. Our God is able because God will give us strength. God will give us strength. We must remember that these three men are exiles. They are to resist the two errors of too much separation from Babylon and too much integration. This passage shows that their resistance to the era of integration. This chapter mentions repeatedly and monotonously the groups that did not form to decree that was directed by King Nebuchadnezzar and worship his statue These groups were the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces. He mentions this repeatedly in verses two, verse three, and verse 27. The effect of this repetition is to help us feel that everyone nobody was not included. Everyone was excluded. Everyone was worshiping this image, leaving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on an island. Have you ever been in a situation where everyone else is doing something wrong or you found out that other folks were conforming to something that goes against the word of God? It can feel very lonely to worship God and not conform to worship of the gods of this land. I do like the fact that they did not make a big show of defiance. They simply just did not follow the creed of bowing down when they heard the music. Daniel 3, 8 through through 12 says, therefore at the time, Certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, "O oh, King, live forever! You, O oh, King, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the mist of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. How many of us know messy folk? They will tell on you in a heartbeat and then act like they're innocent. These Chaldeans had an obvious political motivation against these Jews who were promoted to high office. Along with Daniel in the events recorded in the previous chapter, apparently their failure to worship the image was not discovered until these messy folk made it known. Now, there are roughly over 300,000 people of government officials in attendance, so it would be easy to overlook these three. But no, the Chaldean wanted it known so they could get rid of these three Hebrew boys. Additionally, we see from this that the three Jewish men did not lodge a formal complaint. They simply refrained from sharing in the sin of idolatry that everybody else was doing. 13 through 15 goes into when Nebuchadnezzar becomes furious. Then he brings the boys to him and he's like, oh my God, is it true? Is this true that you do not serve my God or worship the, the gold image which I set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn flute harp, In symphony with all kind of music, and you fall down to worship the image which I have made, then we're good. But if you do not, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who you, who will deliver you from my hands? Nebuchadnezzar mm, was like, I don't know, is this true? We can see from his response that he really did not want to accept what the hearsay of these people were telling him. That is why he asked him directly. After all, he was the one that promoted them. To his amazement, he was hoping it wasn't true. Here is where it got tough. This was a great test for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego as the king was powerful in the land. They are standing in the presence and they could have saved face, but they did not. It is one thing to stand for God. It is a greater thing to stick to your stand when being asked, is it true? What are they faced with? They're faced with death. Nebuchadnezzar's penalty was that they shall be casted immediately in the midst of the fiery furnace. We see here pride at its finest. The king was not going to tolerate losing face on such an important occasion. His pride made him declare, you shall have no other gods before me. Yo, this dude right here nothing of insulting all other gods with the statement, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? The God he really believes in is himself. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responds to the king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. If I had to translate what they were trying to say, what they were really trying to say in our modern day language was, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, get that out of here. Again, It is very encouraging to see these three. These three Hebrew boys standing on the word of God. That word was the first word, one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other God before me. When we find ourselves faced in a situation, that is, our response should always be, Thou shalt have no other God before me. That means the God of money, the God of status, the God of friend, the God of fraternity, the God of sorority, the God of pastor, the God of husband, the God of wife, the God of children, the God of self, and or the God of career should not ever come before God. Thou shall have no other God before me. This is the first commandment. Oh, as we see here, we see, we see these boys, they were not going to sell out for Nebuchadnezzar, even though the king had blessed them with the status position of power. They, they weren't even going to bow down for the little few dollars that they got from him. No, they had already determined, for God I live and for God I will die, even if it meant death. At some point, we all need to stand firm. We faced, we need to stand faced with a choice. For God, I live, and for God, I will die. This is a great example of the strength. Saints, we are not called to be people pleasers. We are not called to follow the crowd. On this very day, we need to make a decision to either believe in God and trust his word, or would you rather just choose to play it safe for the sake of others? We need to put our faith in God, we need to give God, God will give us the strength to stand up against our greatest tests. Yes, it is easy to compromise on our mortality, honesty, faithfulness to the scriptures, to cut corners, but these boys wouldn't have none of it. With great courage and dignity, they told the king that we're not going to argue with him, The three young men made no attempt to excuse themselves. They refused to save their situation at the expense of the consequences. They were prepared to defy their king rather than offend their God. It takes courage. It takes courage to stand out. God's people are not called upon to go out of the way to be martyrs but we we were called to be ready to make a stand if need be first peter 2 and 9 says but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called out of darkness into the marvelous light. My brothers and sisters, we are called to be different. We are called to be different. And in this difference, God will give you the strength to continue to be different. It's tough to be different, but God has called us to be different. And he He knows that we need to be different so we can endure life's circumstances and all situations. Have you ever watched a bird sleeping on its perch and never falling off? How does it manage to do this? The secret is the tendons of the bird's legs. They are so constructed that when the leg is bent at the knee, the claws contract and grip like a steel trap. The claws refuse to let go until the knees are unbent again. The bending knee gives the bird the ability to hold on to his perch so tightly. From this illustration, we see these sleeping birds. We can learn from the secret of holding things which are most precious to us which is honesty, which is purity, which is thoughtfulness, which is honor, which is character. The secret here is the knee bent in prayer, seeking to go a firmer grip on the values which make life worth living. We hold firmly to God in prayer. We can rest assured He will hold tightly to us. The only God we must bow down to worship, and I said, the only God we must bow down to worship is the only true and living God. We need to know and get it in our spirit that God is able. That God is able. He will give us strength, and He will give us strength because He is able. And we know that God is able, and we need to know know and understand through these times that God can and he will as long as we stand on his word. That God is able to give us strength in the time that we need it. And my second point, because God is able, God will join us in the fire. And on this second point, we're going to show a short video of these boys go into the furnace I will not worship that. We follow you. We bow your and heads! And seek your presence. With all my heart, I follow you. I fear, fear you. you. I what seek your, your presence. presence Bring them! Oh, my friends. Your faith will be tested now. Daniel! What's wrong with them? Why will your friends not bow to me? I assure you, sire, they will serve you faithfully. Or their lives, as I will. B- but, but, they will only worship God. I will make them bow. With all our heart, we follow you. We seek your presence. With all our heart, we follow you. We seek your presence. When we wish to bend something that is hard and unyielding, what do we do with it? We put it into the fire. Majesty, oh, take him! No. you! We seek and we sink your Majesty. Hey. Burn them! Hey. Majesty, no! Hey. Burn them! Hey. Hey. One! Two! Hey. Bring oil! <laughs> Come! Please. Come! Fire! Bring me fire! Hear my my cry. The cords of death entangle me. The anguish of the grave consumes me. Do not ignore my tears. I am overcome by sorrow. I call upon the name of the Lord! Lord, save me! (laughs) me! My enemies won't be daunted They won't serve back in shame Why do they not burn? with us. He's with us. God is with us. Sometimes videos will give us a good insight to what we're talking about. Some of those circumstances in there, um, they fell into the pit, not walked in, but that's okay. It gave us a setup as to what was going on. So Here we see that they were faced with a death sentence, no matter how brave they were facing a king. And this king was still extremely intimidating because they noticed that his facial expression had changed after hearing their bold challenge. I bring this up because the king gave them a second chance. When he spoke with them earlier after hearing them say, they will not follow his decree gave fuel to his anger despite the intense intimidation the men stayed courageous in their confession to faith the king ordered the furnace seven times hotter than normal now you know he was angry Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and the other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning furnace. When the king ordered that the fire be hotter seven times, they were all bound in their clothing still. This was done to make sure that all three, these Hebrew Hebrew boys were quickly and completely burned. The Bible does not give an account as to what was actually going on. I can just imagine knowing what was going on to be thrown in a furnace where the fire is coming out. The normal temperature of fire is 650 degrees Celsius. The furnace that these boys faced was 405,050 degrees Celsius. In other words, in Fahrenheit, that's 8,132 degrees. So it was hot in there. As a it was hot in her. It was hot in there. And I wonder how they felt. Was their stomachs upset? You know, we must remember that they're still human and they're still young men. So I'm sure that, you know, they were fighting that some kind of fear and and being faithful to, you know, their God. You know, I wonder how they were, you know, knowing what we know. And as they stood up to the king, were they afraid? Did Did anything come up on them? And were they slightly backing down? No, but as we know, these boys did not back down. You know, I can I can hear them as they're, as they're going to this, to this furnace. I can hear them. They're probably praying. They're probably praying a Psalm 91 prayer. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Or were they praying a prayer of Psalm 18? I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength and whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from these enemies? When life starts to heat up, Remember that a thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 will fall at our right hand. But it shall not come near you because God will always be with you. Because he said, lo, I am always with you even to the end of the age. The king put his most mighty men, his most, his prominent, his boys in his army to walk with them to the furnace. As they got closer, those men burned up and died. This explains how hot it was. They didn't even get all the way to the furnace. So the king watches as they're thrown into the fire. And the king is mad, but he's astonished. And he, he looks at somebody else and he asks somebody else. You know, the king is trying to confirm what he's actually seeing. You know, You know how we say it. Am I seeing what I'm seeing? I can imagine the king sitting there saying, am I seeing what I'm seeing? As he's looking into the furnace. We do this because we truly don't know or we don't want to see what we're seeing. So I believe the king said, am I seeing what I'm seeing? As he was looking into the furnace. The king said, it looks like a god. There was a fourth man in the fire, like, like a son of God. (laughs) Was <laughs> crazy, they talking to each other. You know, most scholars may argue that this was a theophany in the fire, which means it is a visible manifestation of a deity. But theophanies of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament is a doctrine beyond dispute based solely upon scripture. Or was it a Christophany, which means Jesus Christ incarnated Since there doesn't appear to be any problems of believing that it was indeed a Christophany, I do hold to this view, though not all that strongly. I like the idea, but if it's not, it's not a big deal. If it were critical for us to know whether or not it was, the Bible would have made it clear. However, Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person and it looked like a god we can probably point this argument to matthew 18 for where there are two or three gathered in my name i am in the midst of them now there were four people they were walking around as if they were outside chilling like nothing happened they weren't burned they weren't harmed in no way so let me get this right so on the outside there was three on the inside there was four And back on the outside again, there was three. Now, the enemy is making every effort to rob us of our joy. If he can't keep us in the furnace, he will bring us out smelling of the fire that everywhere we go, people will say, oh, my God, poor such and such. They're having a little trouble. I don't know what they're going through, but, you know, I do know what they will do have no clue what they're going to do. Look at them. You see (laughs) what the smell of fire is doing is drawing attention to ourselves. I know that some of you are going through the greatest fire of your life, the kind that hurts, the kind that makes you cry, the kind that makes you sound like you're going crazy. While we are in the fire, we should be praising God because we made it to the fire. The fire was not meant to consume you but to refine you. When precious metals are found, they have to go through the fire as means of the refining process. And what the fire does is removes all impurities, unwanted materials and precious metals so that when they come out, They look smooth and polished. They don't come out looking burned or bruised. You are gonna come out looking spectacular and marvelous because you are precious to God. You were lost, you were hurt, you were depressed, but my brother and sister, life is not going to be a whole bunch of peaches and cream. If somebody told you that, they told you wrong. But I got news for you, you are just like Joseph because the fire that was meant for evil, the financial fire, the fire of sickness, the fire of lost jobs, the fire of COVID, the fire of divorce, the fire of crazy bosses, the fire of rebellion children, whatever the fire is, know that what was meant for evil, God meant it to turn it to good. The struggles refined your faith. The fire is where you learn. That when my mother or father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And when the fire seemed like it was never going to go out, like it was going to last forever, that is when we say, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The fire that you are in is not meant consume you. No, it was meant to refine you. Oh, come on, somebody. It was meant to refine you because our God is able. He already knows. Thank God. He already knows. You need to know and say that out loud, that our God is able. The devil is a liar. Say it again, the devil is a liar. When you come out of this, you're gonna be blessed. You're gonna come out with money, you're coming out with joy and peace and greater anointing than you ever had in your life. God will jump in your fire, you're not alone because when God jumps in the fire, he's gonna bring you out. You will not look like what you've been through. Thank God, glory to God, you're not gonna look like what you've been through. Hallelujah, oh yes, God, we thank you for that. Thank you for not letting us look like what we've been through. And my final point, God will deliver you. God will deliver you. The manner of God's deliverance of these men is significant. He could have done so in any number of ways. In a problem more easily accomplished, he could have simply extinguished the flames as they walked in, or he could have protected them without even going into the furnace with them, simply allowing them to, you know, walk around and walk out, you know, unharmed. You know, he could have struck down anyone who laid a hand on them until there was no soldier left to obey Nebuchadnezzar's order. Or he could have made a more blatant display of power by striking down the golden statue and speaking with a booming voice from heaven that he should worship. Reinforced by throwing Nebuchadnezzar into the fire. As a warning to any, who would not worship Jehovah but he did none of that he walked them through the furnace delivering them not from the furnace god did not protect them from the fire but he protected them through the fire as we go through life situation god's not probably will not protect us from our situations but he will go through that situation with us he did deliver them fully they went inbound but they were quickly freed and the fire despite being hot enough to kill soldiers who threw these three men in the furnace had no effect on them at all the hair was not singed and the clothes were not burned there was not even a smell of fire upon them Anyone who has smelled that smell of smoke knows that it's not easily removed. And speaking of smoke, I remember when I was little, growing up in Navy housing, you know, I wanted to be cool and hang out with the cool gang, you know, the popular Navy housing crew. You know, we all, you know, had made a fire in the woods, thinking nobody come up there. We were way up in the woods. Nobody should come up there. And all of a sudden we saw an adult So me, Jeanette, (laughs) want to sit there and, you know, be the cool person and let everybody else, if I did this, they're going to bring me into their group. I took my brand new coat and put it over the fire. So when (laughs) when I got home, all my mom kept saying was, why do I smell smoke? She said, y'all smell smoke? I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, I don't smell anything. She said, y'all smell smoke? That's all she kept saying. Y'all smell smoke? You know, I was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I took my coat off and I put it in the closet. And all of a sudden, I heard, Janella Victoria Varner. I said, oh my god, now since y'all know my government name, don't use it all way. But she called my name out. When your mama calls your whole government name, you know there's a problem. So you know what? Next time when there's a fire in the woods, you want to be cool, young people, just run. Don't put your coat in the, don't put your coat in the fire. Just run. <laughs> but we all know what smoke smells like. And neither of them came out smelling like smoke. Their deliverance was complete. But why did it take that particular form it took? He shows his love to Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego by being with them in the fire. The fourth, of the one that's a picture of God in the fire points us to the suffering God. In the Bible, love and suffering go together. When you love someone, you are willing to suffer for that purpose. Person: loving parents are willing to suffer for their good, for the good of their children, and the loving God is willing to suffer for the good of his children. The king called them out publicly and declared them to be winners. Isn't that something that make you feel good when, when they know they did a mistake? The king had to call them out of the fire. They were in there, like I said, chilling, talking, having fun, you know, not burnt up the one God they were faithful to, they kept the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other God. When did they come out? They came out after they were loose, walking around. You see, the, the king could not see them without seeing him. He called them out, servants of the most high God, come out the furnace. They came out from the fire completely untouched not even the smell of fire or smoke was on their clothes. When they came out of the fire, they were immediately elevated in the kingdom. God delivered them in public because of their faith. Because they were steadfast, and unmovable. Something good is coming out of your fire. This is good news. No, they did not need the furnace and the furnace was not for them. The furnace was for the king and those looking on. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to throw these men in to the furnace for refusing to worship what he had directed. God have had every right to do the same with him and throw him in. He could have delivered these three by judging Nebuchadnezzar right then and there, but he didn't do so. Why not? He didn't because God is loving toward his enemies as well as his friends. Tough pill to swallow, but God loves his enemies and his friends. God gave Nebuchadnezzar a front row seat to his acts of great wisdom and power. He is a God who seeks the lost. God may often act in ways that puzzles us, but sometimes this is not even about you. But it's about someone in your life that needs to see someone completely trust God in the fire. That someone needs to see you serve God who walks with you, who talks with you, a God who calls you their own. They need to see this. So this evening you are being called out of the fire. You have been recognized as servants of the Most High. Someone today is being liberated, accelerated, and elevated and promoted by the fire, by the very thing the enemy sent to burn you up, God is getting ready. He is getting you ready. And you say, preacher, what's he getting me ready for? God is getting ready to take you places where you've never gone before and do what you've never done before. Their faith was not only in their deliverance, their faith was in their God. The enemy will make your life seven times hotter to quickly get rid of you. The enemy's job is to still kill and destroy you. He comes to seek and devour. I came to tell you this evening that no matter how hot life gets, how bad the kids are, how unstable your relationship is with your spouse or family, how jacked up your boss is treating you, how your fin your finances are stretching enough, how that thing you've been struggling with isn't just working. No matter what it is, do not lose faith because God is able. Saints, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask for. God is able because he is the great Elohim. He is the Alpha, and he is the Omega. He's the beginning, and he is the end. Oh, come on, somebody. God is able. People laughed at Noah when he built a ship 100 miles from water and claimed that God was going to flood the earth. God proved he was able. Sarah laughed when she was told she was going to have a child when she was 90. But oh come on somebody, God is able. Pharaoh told Moses he'd never see the day when he would let the Israelites go. And in the end they paid the Israelites to leave. Why? Because our God is able. later when pharaoh and his armies thought they had the israelites trapped against the red sea our god stepped in and parted the sea to let them through why because our god is able god is blessing you right now god is holding you right now god is going to do it why because i keep saying it our god is able People just don't hate you to hate you. They hate you because you're different. They hate you because they ain't you. Oh, they tried it. They tried to bring you down to your knees. They tried to ruin you, but just you keep on bouncing back. Look at God, you just keep bouncing back. Somebody needs to shout thank you Lord from the bounce back. Oh, come on somebody, our God is able. He is able to give you strength. God is able because he will jump in the fire. God is able because he will deliver us. Let's give God the glory. Let's give him all the honor. Let's give him all the praise because I keep saying it, why? our god is able our god is able and all things all things will work together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose the word of the lord amen so now is the time that we prepare for our offering So let us prepare our hearts for our benevolent offering. This offering helps those in need due to COVID over this past year. You know someone, you probably know someone who lost their job, someone who's trying to make ends meet, someone who's struggling to put food on the table. You know, we have many people, you know, that are homeless and we have many people who are newly to homeless. And that's crazy to say, they're newly to homelessness. And some of these people have kids with them. So there are so many people in need, and this offering right here, this offering will help us to help those who need. So please give, and there are three ways that you can give. You can give by Cash App, you can give by mail, or you give by Givelify. However you give, it will be a blessing. So help us be a blessing to our community. let us pray oh holy god majestic father lord we thank you for this offering right now lord let this offering be for those who need it lord god father let it be be spread among the community lord god let us be a blessing in our community to those who need a blessing and we count it all done in your name amen So we have our prayer announcements, so don't forget Wednesday afternoon, Bishop Prayer at 1 p.m. The light has information. If you need to log in, it should be on the screen. If you can't find it, then give the church a call. They'll be happy to help you. But Community Prayer with Bishop, Wednesdays at 1 o'clock. And let us continue to pray for our saints who are in the hospital and for those that you know that are not doing well in their bodies or just doing well at all. So let's continue to pray for our saints. And also let us pray for each other because you know, prayer works and we need prayer and we can have enough of it. And we all need it and can use it. So as we leave, I think I'm done. And know that God is your strength, God will jump into fire with you, and God will deliver you when you are faced your fiery furnace of life. God bless you, I love you. May the Lord keep you, may the Lord guide you, may the Lord continue to shine upon you. And in the words of my favorite bishop, as we close, shalom.